The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here coming at you on a Sunday morning at the moment or afternoon, whatever you want to call it. We are going to have Jovan Buha of The Athletic on the podcast. Jovan's already been on once before. Going to chat about the trade deadline, the Clippers' big move to acquire Marcus Morris. Talk about whether the Clippers are in good shape right now with Marcus Morris. They did not look good in that game against Minnesota, losing 142 to 115. Minnesota could not miss a shot, especially from deep. Kawhi Leonard was good. The rest of the Clippers, not so much. So we'll talk to Jovan right before the Clippers take on Cleveland. So recording this podcast before the Sunday night game at Cleveland, at least the Jovan interview will record before. I'm going to come at you after the interview for the conclusion of the podcast and discuss the Cleveland game and preview the week ahead, which will feature Philadelphia and Boston before the All-Star break. So the intro and the body or interview, whatever you want to call it, of the podcast will be with Jovan before the game against Cleveland. And then afterwards is when we'll have the discussion about the Cleveland game. Before we get to the interview with Jovan, got to tell you this podcast, like our other podcasts, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out the website at hawaiianisles.com on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. And of course, with the All-Star Game around the corner, and of course, baseball season around the corner, football season's wrapped up, still lots of stuff you can bet on. You know where you can bet? How about mybookie.ag, our online betting partner here at Hoopball. Go sign up for a new account. Use the promo code TODAY. That's the word TODAY. And MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Head there now. Again, that's mybookie.ag. The promo code is the word TODAY. And of course, if you need some help, you don't really know a ton about what you're doing, or maybe you just want some advice anyways. You know what you're doing, but you want to see what others are doing. How about the Hoopball Gaming Twitter account that's now set up? That's Hoopball Gaming. Those guys do a tremendous job. They release a podcast five days a week. Sometimes they get some extra podcasts as well on the weekends because they're just crazy, and they give out what they're going to bet on for that game slate, whether it's college basketball, NBA, maybe XFL. Those guys really do it all. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Jovan Buha. You've read his stuff on The Athletic. You see him during pre- and sometimes post-game as well on Prime Ticket. He is becoming the face of the media landscape, the Los Angeles Clippers. He's Jovan Buha, back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Jovan, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. I guess we got to start with this one. Um, I know you and Minnesota have had some problems over the years. Uh, you didn't get a chance to come on yesterday before the Minnesota game, but you escaped. Everybody in Minnesota didn't come and attack you. You're all right? I barely got out of there. Um, <laughs> I can, can never have a smooth Minnesota airport experience. Um, I, yeah, we, we had a, like almost two hour delay on the tarmac. Um, now there was a snowstorm, but Hey, I, I have to factor that into my experience with the city, with the airport. So, uh, yeah, I've still yet to have a, a smooth, uh, kind of, you know, process at the airport, but, 
Um, it is what it is. I, I do like Minneapolis as a city. I, I just I'm not a big fan of the airport. Yeah, it's safe to say that you won't be covering uh, the T Wolves anytime soon. It just seems like you and Minnesota just don't I, get I don't along so. very well. Yeah, people probably standing out picketing uh, upon your arrival, but now you're you're back. You're in Cleveland now. Um, how's everything so far in Cleveland? We're talking to you. I mentioned in the intro, but we're talking to you before the game tonight against the Cavs. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but uh, pretty cold, pretty drab. Uh, <laughs> not going on much, or not much going on here. Um, I'm a little incoherent, if you can't tell, just because uh, these back-to-backs are, are rough, uh, especially with the early morning flights. But um, I'm, I'm excited for tonight's game. No Kawhi, but Marcus Morris should be playing. So um, we will get to see him for the first time. Let's quickly talk about yesterday's game before we get into the actual trade deadline. Any concern uh, from what you saw yesterday? Because it really does seem like this team is now not playing at all up to its abilities against bad teams. I mean, this has now happened time and time again. We've seen them beat teams like the Lakers and the Rockets. Whenever they need to face a good team, they beat them. But it seems like they just don't care when it comes to the bad teams, which worries me a little bit with the on-off switch that seems like they tend to have. Yeah, I, I would say the concerning part is you don't really see teams like the Lakers and the Bucks losing in this capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and last night they were a bit shorthanded. Like they're six and six uh, without Pat Beverly now. And if you actually look at the six losses, um, I, I just tweeted about this. Like four of the six are lottery teams, and the other two are OKC and Memphis, who most people projected to be lottery teams and, you know, have have exceeded expectations, but they're not, uh, you know, exactly world beaters. So the the Clippers have lost, you know, I think they've they've also given up over 130 points in in three of those six losses. So the Clippers have really, I think, relied on Patrick Beverly more than people um, acknowledge. Like, you could make the case Um, you know, based on the record without him and some of the statistical stuff that like he's been the second most impactful Clipper. I wouldn't go that far. I still think it it has to be Paul George, but um, Pat is in that conversation, I think for third most important Clipper uh, just in terms of the the defensive value he brings the the defensive versatility. Uh, So I think he, he's someone that, you know, his absence has sneakily hurt this team. Uh, But at the same time, I think that last night, and you, you go back not even that far to the Sacramento loss, um, you know, this team does not only not always show up against you know, bad competition, but I do think there, there are some actual schematic weaknesses there where, um, you know, much like the, the Bucks game, you know, now I'm going back to December, uh, they have a really hard time you know, defending the three-point line sometimes. And they have they've you know lost certain games where it's like teams will just avalanche them with a bunch of threes and it was it was the exact same thing in minnesota as it was against sacramento a week earlier where both teams hit 15 threes and then ended up with a franchise record in threes and it's just like you know at some point you you have to guard the three-point line you have to really make that a priority and i think it just it really speaks to sometimes a lack of communication defensively 
uh, an inability to contain dribble penetration and then an inability to recover and rotate. So I think, you know, no, they're not going to play the Timberwolves or the Kings or the Pelicans or whoever in the playoffs. Those are lottery teams for a reason. But I do think it, it gives me some pause with them in a matchup with like the Rockets or the Bucks if they make the finals. Like those teams that shoot a lot of threes that, that you know, can create just, you know, through the penetration of, of Harden and Giannis, like, um, and, and really just kind of spreading you out. I think those types of teams have given the Clippers problems th- this season and are really don't have any any indication that they won't moving forward so I think that's something to watch and I think it is something that I think Marcus Morris is going to help in a lot of ways I don't know if he's necessarily going to help with three-point defense um, you know I, I don't think that's necessarily one of his strengths so I am very interested to see how they kind of go about fixing that because on the night that's been bad it's been really bad and I do think it's also been bad against some good teams including like I said that, that Milwaukee loss um, a couple of the Houston losses like I, I am a little bit wor- – like, that's one of my defensive concerns with this team is overall just their three-point defense. Yeah, it's interesting with this team because the way you would follow Twitter and the reaction from fans after a loss like yesterday where some of Clippers' Twitter are saying it's Doc's fault and everyone's blaming all, all over the place. There's blame being thrown. You would think this team is sitting at 7th or 8th place in the Western Conference, but they were just two losses back of the Lakers going into yesterday's game – so they're only two and a half back, I believe, the Lakers. So it's not like this has been a bad season. I mean, they're, they were sitting at number two in the Western Conference, but the expectations now are so high, and I really do think it's the way they're losing to these teams. I mean, they have this huge lead against, I believe it was Atlanta, and you blow that 20-plus point lead. And then you go and you lose a game like yesterday where you face a Minnesota team that hadn't won a game with, with uh, Towns in two or three months. So it's just one of those things with the way they're losing these games is a little concerning. But at the same time, you know, it's interesting, Jovan, is everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Don't worry about it. When they get everybody healthy, they'll be fine. This team's already shown they can beat everybody. Well, now it's getting to the point where health can't be assumed. I think with this team, you need to actually have these guys on the floor. And with the injuries to Beverly and the injuries to George and with Kawhi being load managed, I'm not sure we can take that for granted anymore that these guys are for sure going to be healthy when it comes to playoff time. I think that's the one thing that people are assuming that we should be concerned a little bit about. What do you think? I'm with you. Uh, I think that, you know, and I, I, I recently you know, wrote something along those lines of, um, you know, like you, you, you can't presume health with this team. Like Patrick Beverly has been in, extensive injury history. Kawhi clearly is dealing with an injury that's not going to be resolved by this season, if ever. Uh, Paul George is banged up and, and has had some serious, you know, shoulder and, and leg injuries. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of is it for the main guys in, in terms of um, probably injuries you'd be concerned with. But you, you can't just this assume that you know again like you know it's rare for a team to have their top 10 guys fully healthy mm-hmm. most teams are dealing with like one or two injuries it's just been the clippers this season have basically dealt with seven or eight injuries like outside of it's been trez zubat and and mo harkless before he was traded were really the only three rotation guys that 
had stayed healthy. You know, everyone else had missed at least you know, three, four games. Um, and then you had, you know, four or five guys miss double digits. So I, I do think um, that they're going to, you know, and, and that's, that's where it, it is like, you know, cause they've been using the continuity excuse for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's valid, but you, you know, if it's once it's April 15th and you're in game one of the, the playoffs, like, your lack of continuity doesn't matter anymore. You have to figure out a way to win that first series. And then you have to figure out a way to win that second series. And like your lack of practice time, you're, you're now like, you know, a, a trade that's going to change your continuity. Um, you know, the, all the injuries that have changed your continuity, like those excuses go out the window. If, if the Clippers lose in the first or second round, Doc Rivers can't sit there in the postgame press conference and say, well, we didn't have continuity. That's why we lost. Like no one's going to buy that. No one's going to care. So I, I think one of the things that, that has disappointed me with this team a little bit um, has been some of the sort of excuses and sort of dismissing certain things as just like, Oh, we don't have continuity or, Oh, we have injuries or, Oh, you know, we're not, we're still figuring things out. We're still not on the same page yet. And yeah. I, I just, I think it's a convenient excuse sometimes when you lose, but, it's also like, well, you guys beat the Lakers and you beat the Celtics and you beat the Raptors and you beat the Rockets and on and on, like all their impressive wins. Like there was some level of continuity and chemistry and like, you know, kind of gelling during those games. So, I, I, you know, I just feel like sometimes they've used it, you know, they've used the argument to their advantage when it's convenient, but when it's not convenient, then all of a sudden there's this lack of continuity and then kind of some of these excuses. So, I think over the final 30, you know, game, you know, they're, they're 36 and 16 currently um, as we're talking, they got 30 games left. I'm very intrigued to see how they close out the season. I, I think that's going to be huge because seeding, I think is going to be huge in this West playoff race. I really think they have to fight to be a top two seed. I um, mean, it might not be realistic to catch the Lakers, although the Lakers are slipping, but if, if they don't, um, you know, if, if, if they end up slipping to the three seed, the four seed, the five seed, I really think that's going to make their path to the finals a lot harder and potentially cost them. Now, I do think they're the best team probably in the West uh, and maybe the league now after Mark, the, the Marcus Morris trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just there are some concerns, though. And, you know, they have they've put together some nice stretches, but it, it has not been all season the way you'd like. Uh, and I think that's like the one thing where I want to see like a kick-ass 10 to 12 game stretch against actually good teams or, or solid teams. Um, not, not the kind of stretch they just had where they played a bunch of lottery teams. So that to me is what I'm watching the last like 30 games of the season. Yeah. And you want to beat the bad teams by 20 or 30. I mean, you don't want to have those games be close. And now you speaking of continuity. Now you're adding Marcus Morris to the fold. And that could be another excuse for if you lose five or ten games where – I'm not going to lose five or ten games, but for the next five or ten games where you're trying to incorporate him because you're not going to have Kawhi today. So those two haven't played together. And then maybe Pat Beverly won't be back. So that guy – so they won't be together. So that's the one thing that obviously is going to be added now is the continuity issue with Marcus Morris being added. So let's talk about Marcus because it was a good fit. And I, I would curi- I'm curious to get your take because – I think it's a nice addition, someone that adds some more three-point shooting to your team, some more scoring, it is someone that can take the load off of Kawhi and PG from the bench unit when Lou is struggling and maybe when Trez isn't at his best. 
Um, I'm curious with how does he fit for you? Because I think the biggest part of this is that they prevented the Lakers from getting him. I think it's the biggest part of this deal. It's not what he adds to the Clippers. It's more preventing him from going to the Lakers because they don't have anybody outside of AD and LeBron that you can trust to score the basketball. How do you think he fits with this team? And what do you think was the biggest part of acquiring him? I'm with you. I think there is an LA arms race right now and you're going to see it now with Darren Paulson. Uh, you, you might see it with whoever the other, um, you know, next kind of big buyout person is. Uh, it could be Tristan Thompson. It, it could be someone uh, on a smaller scale. But I, I think, yeah, I think it's twofold. I mean, I, I do think that what, what I like, because I had been pushing this, right, because the, the narrative has been for a while that the Clippers need a set upgrade or they need a point guard upgrade. Yeah. And I... I understood it, and part of the appeal for me of Andre Gudala was kind of, uh, you know, helping on the wing and also sort of providing another facilitator, ball handler, a guy who could run secondary actions and, and pick and rolls. And, um, you know, you'd almost be helping on the wing and adding another facilitator that, that would kind of almost satisfy two positional needs. But to me, looking at the roster, looking at the way Doc – has his rotation looking at the way they close games i've long felt now for a good you know a couple months that the clear upgrade to me was on the wing of you know if, if you're gonna have you know we kind of know the top four of Kawhi, pg lou and trez and in most cases doc closes with those four you know the last like seven eight minutes of of, of you know close games so if that's kind of the way that this team is going to roll, which is how I expect them to roll now, um, that fifth spot to me needs to be a bigger wing who can both switch defensively with Kawhi and PG and also spread the floor and not necessarily need the ball um, and just kind of almost act like a, a four, you know, basically a three and D wing, uh, but someone with some size because Trez is six foot seven. And he's not much of a rim protector or rebounder. Lou is six foot one, and we know he's a defensive liability. So that's a lot of pressure on Kawhi and, and PG. And in a lot of times, you know, Doc has been closing with Pat or Landry in that fifth spot. But Pat's six foot one also, and and for as good of a defender as he is, and as good of a rebounder as he is, he has size limitations. Landry's six foot four you know, similar stuff, and, and he's not as good of a rebounder or defender as Pat. So, I, the, the, to me, the biggest benefit to getting Marcus is he can slide in now as that fifth guy. I think they are going to close a lot of games with Trez, Marcus, Kawhi, P.J. Liu, um, but then also potentially have the versatility to throw in Jermichael at the five and go with, like, a five-out system or go with Landry or Pat instead of Liu and now you're not necessarily needing lose offense as much because you have another guy and Marcus can create and isolate and post up and, and find his shot if you really need that. So I think what he just, you know, I, I think he just gives them another offensive option. Um, so like you said, when Kawhi and PG rest or are injured, um, you know, he can step up and, and that's when he could go back to kind of his New York days of, of dropping 20 to 25 and in being that number one or two option. Uh, but then when everyone's healthy, he goes back to being like the number 
three, four, or five guy, depending on who he's playing with. And, you know, he, he's more of a spot-up shooter, more of a pick-and-pop guy. Um, you know, occasionally will isolate, get some post-ups. But uh, I think the, the one concern I have with him, uh, I guess, would, you know, is a, I think he's someone who, much like Lou and Pat and Trez, views himself as probably a little bit better than he is in terms of like his role and just kind of what he can do. Um, And I think going from being the number one option in New York to probably being the number five option in LA, like maybe number four, maybe he takes, you know, over Trez's spot a little bit in the offense, but I just don't see him being more than number four or five. Um, I think that's a big adjustment. And I guess if everything goes smoothly and, and the team continues to win at, the, at its current clip and, uh, you know, he kind of just accepts things, like, I think it works great. And, and I think the sky's the limit. And, and, you know, a championship is is very realistic. But if he comes in, the team struggles a little bit. He's not happy with his role. Um, you know, he thinks he should be getting more shots than Lou and Trez or, or more involved in the offense. Um, I could see that kind of becoming a, a little bit of a chemistry thing. And, and, you know, he's someone that has spoken out previously. He, he's not shy about, you know, voicing frustration. Like, you know, a couple of years ago when, when Boston was going through, or not even a couple of years ago, you know, last season when, when Boston was going through some of their stuff, he came out to the media and, and kind of called some guys out and saying we're not having fun. And, um, you know, similar to, to Trez's comments earlier in the season. Uh, so I, I, I just think he, he is someone who is, outspoken he he is someone who definitely is opinionated and kind of walks to their own drum so to speak um so you kind of factor that in with him coming from a situation where he was being the number one really the number one guy you know leading the team in score top two in, in shots and in usage percentage like he, he you know it's him and julius randall um you know is he going to accept maybe some nights not closing you know, maybe some nights he's getting 10, 12 points instead of the 20 he's accustomed to. Um, I think it's it's always easier to say that in the beginning, like I'm cool with this, and then actually, you know, versus actually doing it. So that to me is the one thing with him that I'm a little bit concerned with is I think it's going to be a drastic offensive adjustment um, for him. And just like there's a, there's a cap on the playing time because Moe's only playing 22 minutes a night. I think Marcus will probably end up in 24 to 26 range but it is going to be an adjustment too, just playing time rise uh, wise, like role wise, like there's an adjustment all around. And if he really buys in again, I think you, you should be optimistic with this team, but if he doesn't, um, then I could, I could see some problems. Yeah. That's the biggest question is, will he be okay? Not being the guy. Cause he was taking 20 plus shots in New York. I mean, we saw the game when he was at Staples center and he destroyed the Clippers. He's not going to be able to do that with the Clippers team. And, <laughs> What's interesting is you look at this team and the way it's configured and who are the minutes going to be taken from? I mean, is Zoo going to get a couple less minutes? Because everyone's been clamoring for Zoo to come and play more minutes. Is Jamichael going to get less minutes, even though Jamichael probably deserves more minutes than what he's getting? I think it's going to be one of the toughest coaching jobs that Doc has had to do trying to figure out the right balance because you need the defense on the floor and you need offense. He's got to choose the right combination and he doesn't have a whole lot of time to figure it out. And I thought that was why the Clippers wouldn't trade Trez. It's because it just would throw everything really in the blender and you try and figure out what's going to come out. 
in the next couple of weeks. And with this team, I think that'll be the toughest thing for them is to figure out what's going to happen with this team. Because with Doc now, I mean, we really can't say who's going to be starting every single night, who's going to be closing every single night. And that could be good or bad. But at the same time, some of these guys are going to have their roles change night to night, which could be a problem. Do you think that could be an issue where a guy like Zoo maybe is getting three or four less minutes? A guy like Jamichael, who probably deserves more minutes, is getting less minutes. That's the only thing that's difficult when you bring in a guy like Marcus Morris. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you can't, um, you know, and, and as, as, as we discussed over, you know, before the pod, um, you know, I, I did have the story from a couple of weeks ago about the team's chemistry mm-hmm. um, where, you know, th- this has just overall been an adjustment season for a lot of guys, um, you know, with the lack of consistency overall, um, with all the injuries, with Kawhi, you know, his, his injury management and not playing back to backs with Paul missing the first month. Um, and then you get, you add those guys in and they're getting treated like superstars, which they are. Uh, but that is a stark contrast to the, the, you know, team dynamics of last season where it was kind of equal. Um, you know, you, you had six or seven guys on any given night who could be the guy this year. It's pretty clearly two guys are the guys. There's a clear pecking order mm-hmm. and, you know, at the same time, though, I think both guys have dealt with injuries. Both guys are at points in their career where they're very concerned with the postseason and winning a championship more than probably the regular season. Uh, and then you have other guys on, on the team that are kind of grinders. And, you know, like, you know, guys like Pat Beverly and then Jermichael Green and Montrez Harrell care about every every night, every game. Like, there's no, oh, tonight I'm going to kind of coast tonight, like, I'm, I'm thinking about the big picture and like, you know, April and May, like those guys are thinking about that game's night, like that night and really taking it very. So um, I, I think Marcus probably fits more in, in that camp of, of the Pat, you know, Trez, Lou, Jamichael sort of, um, you know, last season's identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think anytime you, you have someone, that's where we, we tried to ask doc, pregame yesterday kind of about some of this of just now you guys have five 19 point scores like how are how are guys roles going to adjust like how is Marcus going to adjust um you know how are you going to use him um and, and Doc kind of downplayed it of course mm-hmm. uh but I, I think you know you because you, because that's I mean again that's the other thing is like you're not just replacing I mean you're you're basically replacing Mo Harkless with, with Marcus Morris but now you're going to have to you know, find those extra few minutes in the rotation to give to Marcus. And you're going to have to find a lot more shots than Mo. You know, Mo is averaging five points a game. Marcus is averaging 19.6. Like, that is a huge difference. Um, I don't expect him to average 19, of course, with, with the Clippers, but I would expect him to be in, like, the 12 to 14 range. So now you're finding another, you know, seven to nine points that are going to be coming from somewhere else. You know, maybe he adds a couple points. Uh, just overall to the offense and, and, you know, maybe it's a little bit more seamless, but uh, I do think anytime you add a, a guy who's, who's going to be taking up more minutes than the previous person and more shots and points, that's always an adjustment. So I, I do think they'll probably run him with the second unit a bit um, to, to kind of, maybe that's where they'll let him isolate more and, and post up, um, you know, I, but I, I think the, the real key with him um, 
outside of his defense, which I think they're going to need against LeBron and, and AD uh, if they face the Lakers, is the floor spacing because he's shooting 44% on threes, which is fifth best in the league, second best if you kind of adjust for like high volume shooters. Does he maintain that? Because that is an elite percentage. If you can get him to shoot 44%, this offense is going to be insane. Now, if that drops to 37%, 38%, that's still really good, but that, that's not adding the same kind of dimension offensively that you would hope for. So I really think, you know, just kind of on top of everything that we just talked about, his shooting is going to be a huge barometer for how effective he is and, and how much of an impact he has. Because I think another thing people haven't really talked about much with this team is the shooting has been incredibly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Paul has been, has been pretty good. Landry's had his ups and downs, but, it, but it's trended upward the last few weeks. Um, and outside of that, like, you know, Pat has been, was horrible at the start of the season and has been great, you know, kind of from, from the midway point. Jermichael has been up and down. Um, Kawhi has been up and down. Uh, Lou has been, you know, slightly above league average for most of the season. But, like, the team doesn't have maybe like the level of shooting you would hope for. Um, championship contender. So, I think going to Marcus is, is a huge improvement in, in that regard. And, and that's where I think, um, as I wrote uh, kind of post-trade, I think the team kind of saw the writing on the wall where, Mo had a clear limit to how valuable he could be for this team. I am concerned, honestly, defensively. He did a really good job on guards and perimeter players, and I think Marcus Morris is more of a big man defender than Mo was. So I'm concerned with how they're going to replace his defense. But that aside, um, I, I, I think there was a like, it would not surprise me if Mo got benched to start the playoffs and they went with Jermichael or Landry in his place because they are shooting with that starting unit. So I think Marcus is going to be an overall improvement. He's going to start games. He's, he's going to you know, probably close all games. He's going to help with the shoot and scoring. Um, I, I just think as we discussed, like the, there is some stuff with the roles, with, with the shots, with the points that you have to be really careful with um, because it, this is all kind of a championship and, and you don't want to mess with that too much. Uh, if you're not careful. Yeah, you don't want to give up 140 points like you did to Minnesota and like you did to Memphis. And you add a guy like Marcus Morris, who's obviously pretty good at scoring, but you lose a guy in Harkless who's known for his defense. One final question for you before we let you go. You mentioned the article. I don't really want to talk about the content. If uh, It's a tremendous article. So anybody, if you can, go ahead and sign up for The Athletic if you haven't already. A ton of good stuff there. You and Sam Amick did a really nice job with that article. I want to talk about the backlash and how difficult it is to do your job after an article like that. Because as a journalist, you have a responsibility to present news and present information to your readers. And on the other side, you have to please an organization because you're covering them. How difficult has it been to cover the team like you were before post-article? Uh, it, it's been it's it's been diff- um, I don't feel comfortable going into too many specifics. That's fair. But I will say that um, it, it, it is it, it is weird covering the team and, and trying to balance that because there are. There are politics, right? And, and you know, I, I think I've written something like – I've written over – I don't know the exact number, but I've written over 200 articles for The Athletic. And I think if you 
if you were reading the positivity of, of most of my articles, uh, I, you know, I would say it's, I'm, I'm something like 90 plus percent positive. Um, you know, I have, I do try to remain objective. I do try to be critical. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, um, not say something if, if I really believe it. And, you know, so like last year I was very critical of Avery Bradley, uh, you know, I, I thought, he was horrible and then shouldn't be starting and then shouldn't be playing as much as he did. You know, this year I've been critical of Doc's, you know, in my opinion, mismanagement of Avica Zubac's minutes and how I think he should be playing more and probably closing some games and, and definitely just overall playing more in the fourth quarter um, because of his defense and, and rim protection and rebounding. So I, I, I am going to be critical where I see it appropriate. Um, but yeah, like th- this story w- was obviously something that um, was a very sensitive, you know, subject matter. Um, it dealt with a lot of tricky internal um, dynamics, and it was a bit of a controversial, polarizing piece. Like you know, there was a lot of Clipper fans who got upset with me and said they were going to follow me or unsubscribe from the unsubscribe from the Athletic, and um, you know, the- then people kind of pointing to the players' reaction publicly of the players denying it, but. I don't know any player that's ever come out after a team chemistry story and said it was true. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that would be the more shocking response would be players. Yeah, you're right. You know, that was actually an accurate story. Um, you know, we, we, you know, this guy and this guy don't get along or like, you know, no, like we don't like, you know, so I, that to me was like the funniest response of all. It's like, all right, if you want to get mad at me for writing a negative article like that, which I actually don't even think it was negative. I think it was, it was pretty fair and had some negative points, but it also had some positive stuff. Um, but if you want to get mad at me for that, that's fine. But if you're going to point, if your justification is going to be because the players denied it, um, I, I just think that's a hilarious like defense because, again, no player has ever really come out and admitted a team chemistry story was accurate because that just goes against everything. So, uh, but, but on that front, was, um, it's, it's been awkward. It, you know, people... There's definitely been some relationships I had that have not been the same. Um, now it's only been two and a half weeks, so I'm, I'm hoping that kind of smooths over um, as the season progresses. Uh, you know, I would say the the relationships with players have been a little bit weird. I, the locker has kind of um, gotten over it a bit since then, but I, I know you know Patrick Beverly has been someone who's, who's been vocal. I think is is upset with the media. Uh, I don't know if you've seen some of his post game. Um, kind of availability since then, but yeah. he's been very short, mm-hmm. very much just like this is how I'm going to be the rest of the season, and he doesn't really want to talk to the media anymore. So, outside of that, um, you know, it, it hasn't really. It's just it, it's been awkward. It's been tense. The, you know, things have definitely different. You know, I'm also at the point where it's only been two weeks, and then you also had the Kobe situation, which I think kind of put my situation on hold for a little bit where, you know, people were kind of dealing with that and that took obviously more importance. Uh, but then once, you know, kind of some time had passed with that, I think it went back to some of the hard feelings uh, on my story, but look, like at the end of the day, like I'm a reporter, I work for the athletic, I don't work for the Clippers. Um, so I do have to do my job when there is, you know, if there's something negative that, comes across my way I, I have to evaluate is this worth reporting is this worth writing um to me this story was it was something that picking up on like i i was already picking up on the bad vibes with the team as someone who travels with them as someone who's at every practice every shoot around 
Um, I had already picked up on kind of the weird vibes and then Trez's, you know, kind of post-game explosion was really the thing that just lit the match of like, okay, something's up and then had started having conversations and, um, you know, we ended up talking to close to 15 people who, who basically all confirmed in one form or another some of this locker room tension. And, and again, I think it's, it's more growing pains. It's more just workplace dynamics, the adjustment of adding two prominent, you know, coworkers into a, a workspace, the difficulty of that. Um, so I, again, I, I don't think it's like this guy hates this guy or, or, you know, this is an untenable situation. They're going to lose in the first round because they don't like each. It's not that level. Right. Um, but, but there are, some, there are some concerns. And I think adding a guy like Marcus Morris, maybe that helps the locker room, but it could also hurt the locker room. I, I don't know. We'll see in the coming weeks, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been, this was my first story that got this type of pushback, got this type of backlash. Um, first time, like, players and staff have been weird with me. Um, it has definitely affected my job. Again, it's par for the course. You know, I, I've talked to so many reporters over the last couple of weeks who've reached out to both complement the story and kind of offer um, guidance and, 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 and kind of support. And it feels like everyone has, like, a war story or two of, you know, team being mad at them, player being mad at them, coach being mad at them. Um, I happen to have <laughs> all three of those uh, <laughs> right now. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that um, just time passes, the team continues to win. Uh, maybe someone else writes a, a negative story that, <laughs> that gets, uh, you know, attention and um, people stop, you know, associating me with, with that, which is what it's felt like the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And guess what? I mean, you, as someone that went to journalism school, you have a job to do and that's exactly what you did. And it wasn't a completely negative story. So people are just reading a headline or getting bits and pieces off Twitter. Go ahead and read the actual article. Um, tremendous job by you. I mean, I know it, uh, it took a lot for you to do that article. So, uh, I appreciate you sharing that insight. Uh, really does mean a lot. And guess what? Kobe and Shaq, everyone was talking about that when that was happening. Everyone was denying that they had issues. Guess what? They had issues. The uh, CP3, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Reddick Clippers, everyone was saying there was no issues. J.J. Reddick has said on his podcast that there were major issues. So you know what? It happens and everyone's going to deny it. But uh, before we let you go, where can everyone find your stuff and where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find my stuff on The Athletic. Um, if you have not subscribed, I would appreciate if you subscribed off of one of my articles or off of my podcast, Clip City. You could go to theathletic.clipcity to um, help both me and podcast out. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Boo, at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Great. Jovan, appreciate you coming on. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jovan. Uh, inside look into the trade deadline for the Los Angeles Clippers. And also wanted to get a little backstory on that article that he wrote and just kind of the backlash of, frankly, what he's facing. Because you know when you write an article like that, when you expose the behind the scenes of an organization and what players, uh, the negative part of what players are feeling, what they're thinking, uh, what's going on, that there's going to be people unhappy. And it's really tough to do your job correctly where you please every party. You want to please the athletic by putting together a good investigative piece that pleases the readers. You want to please the organization that you continue to write for. But remember that Yovan's not writing 
for the Clippers. I mean, he is not hired by the Clippers. He's hired by the Athletic. And so pretty good job that he did on that article. And uh, good look into the Clippers and what's going on right now. Now, taping this conclusion after the Clippers-Cavs game. And boy, you talk about the exact thing that we were just talking about in this podcast. You come up and you play against a team like Minnesota yesterday and get blasted and just don't play to the level of your competition. Then you play against the Cavs, a team that's also bad, and you destroy them. No Kawhi Leonard, no Pat Beverly, and all the Clippers do win 133-92. to I mean, a 41-point win. They led by as many as, I believe, 45 points. And Marcus Morris, very solid in his debut with 10 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 steals. Lou was very good, a very efficient outing from Lou, which is something we've kind of been waiting for because he has been struggling a little bit with his shot. Paul George was solid. Montrez Harrell was solid. And it was interesting to see Amir Coffey get a bunch of minutes as well. And I saw a couple of people on Twitter that thought that Amir Coffey gave more to the Clippers today than we had seen from Jerome Robinson throughout the season. I mean, Jerome had been pretty good defensively, but offensively it had been struggling, um, or he had been struggling for a while. So it was good to see the Clippers get that win against the Cavs because they have two very tough games coming up, playing up against Philadelphia on Tuesday and Boston on Thursday, and then it's the All-Star break. So two big games. We'll have a podcast for you. Midweek is the goal here. Not entirely sure who we're going to have on yet, but we will hopefully have on a good guess. As the Clippers knock off the Cavs 133-92 after losing to Minnesota and getting crushed. And frankly, it really is a lot more fun winning by 40 than is losing by 40 because it's a lot easier to talk about this team because you don't have people worrying when you're winning as opposed to the people that are worrying and calling for coaches' jobs when you are losing. So good win for the Clippers, an important win before this two-game stretch against two very good teams in the Eastern Conference. Big thank you to Yovan for coming on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Yovan Buha. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. You can follow the Twitter handle for the Hoopball Clippers podcast at Hoopball Clips. I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. Thank you for listening. Have a great start to your week and we'll talk to you next time on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Go Clips everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.